This is an AMI podcast. And a telegram arrived from one of his candidates backing out with the clearly manufactured excuse. Another never came or wrote, perhaps because of some pressing personal problem that intervened. The other two came. This is AMI Audiobook Review on AMI Audio. Thanks for joining us on Saturday, October 30th. We're on episode 9, um, which means that we're almost on episode 10. Woohoo! And then we'll be 10 episodes into this podcast series. Uh, Nisreen Abdel Majid is joining me. I'm Ramia Amuthan. Nisreen, how exciting. We're almost at 10 episodes. I cannot believe we're almost at 10. I know it doesn't seem like a big number to all of you, but to us, that's 10 episodes. That's 10 weeks. That's 10 weeks. It's huge. It's double digits. <laughs> it's double digits. Exactly. And and we keep Nazreen busy, like really, really busy around here on AMI Audio. So she knows. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So the quote that we just heard is from a book called The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. And I picked this because I was scrolling through Audible. I'm like, what do they have for horror? Hmm. And I found this and I watched the TV series on Netflix of The Haunting of Hill House. And it terrified me. I mean, now they're on... um, what they call what do they call it chapter two or chapter three it's basically the 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 follow-up seasons uh haunting of bly manor and and something else now i think but haunting of hill house was the original one and the first one that i had watched and it was 10 episodes of incredible writing and absolute fear um i had to watch it during the day and in public because i was terrified uh, to to even live in my own house and use my own stairwell after watching that so no shame yeah no no exactly that's how i share with you shamelessly um, <laughs> that it was a uh, really really good so i'm curious actually about the book i'm not sure if it'll have the same vibe because there were lots of jump scares but the writing was incredible and that's why i picked this so it's out there if you want to check it out the haunting of hill house by shirley jackson now, as we do always, we like to give you a heads up on what's found on the CELA homepage at celalibrary.ca. That's C-E-L-A library.ca. So we're going to talk about the three feature titles um, uh, in the on the homepage. That's the second heading for anybody who's uh, navigating using screen reader. The three titles are Red X, a novel by David Demchuk, Ghost and Horror Stories. That's what this is under very spooky vibe today. Ooh. The Audacity is the second book there by Catherine Ryan, and this is a humor novel. The Dark Remains by Ian Rankin and William McGill Vanny, and this is under Mysteries and Crime Stories. So those are the three titles. We're going to highlight one of those three a little later on in the show. But let's go to some CELA announcements. And this is from the blog posted on October 25th by Karen McKay, our friend over there. Don't be shy. Apply. That's the title of the post. So uh, a bit of a summary. In 2017, Sila established the annual TD Summer Reading Club Accessibility Award. And this is to recognize the outstanding efforts of one English and one French Sila member library who have participated in the Summer Reading Club. 
This year's award and cash prize will honor the creative efforts by library staff to engage and welcome families of children who have print disabilities. And the prize money will help support the winning library in providing even more innovative and creative accessible programming. Applications are open for 2021, and the deadline is November 15th. So about two weeks here, and any SELA member library that participated in the uh, the TD Summer Reading Club can apply for the award for a chance to win this $500 cash prize, and this is donated by Zinio and Overdrive. So here are some helpful tips to create a winning application, a potential winning application. Describe how your library used and promoted the accessible TD Reading Club notebooks and poster. So that this might be um, you displaying the accessible notebooks and poster in a library window or because of the times we live in, in the background of virtual calls. Fun accessible programs. They want to hear about these, how you adapted a craft program or an experience where you described programs in a virtual setting. Also talking about fun and innovative ways that your library engaged with the accessible TD um, summer books. Staff or volunteers that you trained at your library to inform them of the adaptive materials. Outreach efforts that your library um, has to include people with print disabilities and how your library partnered with any local print disability groups. Also, talk about any social media strategies that you use to boost your library engagement regarding accessibility. Um, I think this is the last tip they had on the site. Improvements regarding the engagement of children with print disabilities as a response to providing an accessible summer reading club event. And that's uh, the announcement. So go apply. November 15th is the deadline. If you're a library that's participating, this is an incredible opportunity. And of course, money to help improve um, the, the access of books to people with print disabilities. Nizreen, we want to know what's trending and you got that for us. So go ahead. Yeah, so I'm sure all of you are in need of a scary series to binge this year, and I got some options for you. Instead of chatting about this week's hottest books, Audible tweeted out the best horror books of all time. From ghosts and witches to demons and spirits, these listens cover every spooky trope and much more. We start with The Shining by Stephen King, Say Cheese and Die Goosebumps by R.L. Stein. Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry. Oh Dread my Nation. gosh. Throwback. Yeah. <laughs> Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. The Three by Sarah Lotz. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children by Ransom Riggs. The Taker Trilogy by Alma Katsu. Don't Stay Up Late Fear Street by R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein is best known for his Goosebumps series. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not, if you are, if this is your cup of tea, you go for it. These are, there's so many more options on audible.com, but this is not my cup of tea because I get scared easily. I can't even watch a movie or a show without, you know, putting it one level up in the daylight and somebody has to be next to me while, while watching. So I imagine a book where it's describing this to you. There's so much suspense. Yep. I cannot handle it, but if it's your cup of tea, I say go for it. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't handle it. I feel you. Seriously. But yeah, my point is these are fun books. They sound like fun books to you, not to me, 
but these <laughs> these sound like scary books in general so I wouldn't go for it personally but I'm sure all of you are uh, wanting scary series to binge so go for it. They'll scare your pants off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that some of the narrators like It by Stephen King uh, the version on Audible I'm so mm-hmm. sorry I don't have the narrator top of mind right now but the person who narrated that book just oh it's such a good job i will never look at pennywise the same way again um it was so good do you like horror books i kind of love the thrill of being scared but like you seriously i can't sleep it's gonna be haunting me for a month or two after halloween and you know the days are just getting darker nizreen we're not doing ourselves favors <laughs> i know by scaring ourselves i know listening to AMI Audiobook Review on AMI Audio. I'm Ramia Amudin, host of the show, here with Nisreen Abdelmajid, and it's time to press pause or play. So we glanced over a few books from the Sila homepage at the start of the show under the Featured Books heading, and now we're going to press pause or play on one of those listens. The one that I've chosen is Red X, and this is a novel by David Demshuk, and uh, it falls under the tags of Ghost and horror stories, LGBTQ plus fiction, and general fiction. Let's hear a little bit of the synopsis. Men are disappearing from Toronto's gay village. They're the marginalized, the vulnerable, one by one, stalked and vanished. They leave behind small circles of baffled, frightened friends. Against the shifting backdrop of homophobia throughout the decades, from the HIV-slash-AIDS crisis and riots against raids to gentrification and police brutality, the survivors face inaction from the law and disinterest from society at large. But as the missing grow in numbers, those left behind start to realize that whoever or whatever are taking these men has been doing so for longer than is humanly possible. Woven into their stories is Dave and Dumpshuk's own personal history, a life lived in fear and enthralled to horror, a passion that boils over into obsession. And as he tries to make sense of the relationship between queerness and horror, what it means for gay men to disappear, and how the isolation of the LGBTQ plus community has left them profoundly exposed to monsters that easily move amongst them, fact and fiction collide, and reality begins to unravel. So, as I said, we will be pressing pause or play. Uh, Before I get to our guest of the show, Nizreen, pause or play on this one. I like how it shares some history. However, it's still scary to me. That's not my kind of genre, to be real with you. But it does have some realist information there, which scares me even more. So, I would say pause. Okay, so you're pausing it for now. Maybe in the spring when the delays are longer, you might read. Ian, straight to you. Pause or play on this title. Hmm. It sounds intriguing. I'm curious enough. I think I'd press play on that one, uh, at least to get a little further into it and find out how the writing style uh, plays out. But um, yeah, the the idea of picking up on what are obviously real life and tragic events uh, of our mm. recent past and spinning that into a supernatural tale uh, sounds like an intriguing thing uh, as long as it's handled, you know, respectfully. Um, yeah. I'm always happy to see uh, more diverse um, themes handled in, uh, in 
accessible media. So it's um, it, it intrigues me from that standpoint. Um, but uh, it, I think the the only th reason I'm hesitating at all is because of the the real horror, the absolutely real horror of recent events that yes. seem to have triggered this writing. Um, assuming it was written after uh, after the fact. But, yeah. Exactly, and that's why I'm hesitating as well. And that's yeah, that's that's the only concern, and that's why I say as long as it's handled um, sensitively, um, yeah. I think I think it could be successful. If it's not, yeah. it will be <laughs> abominable. But uh, but the only way to know that is to open it up and have a look. So for sure, and I think this kind of um, taking fiction and raveling it in with real life experience or real history is always something to do further digging into right as as readers mm -hmm. and listeners of audiobooks um it's you know part of our responsibility to to not just take it as is and say okay yeah all of this is nonfiction or all mm -hmm. of this is fiction and go into it and say can we go a little deeper dig a little deeper and that's part of the kind of why reading books um, expands us, right? And if it's done well enough, uh, like you said, Ian, it's some for, somewhere for us to go uh, and further explore what's been happening, tragedies and, and otherwise, just historically. And before we go any further, this is where I will introduce you to our listeners. <laughs> so. <Hello. laughs> so it's always fun to do pause or play and then say, who, who this person speaking with us. Well, we'd like to check in with Avid Audiobook listeners and, and open up the space to review, discuss, recommend, uh, browse, conceptualize, and, and really reminisce on audiobook listening. And Ian White is who you're hearing. He's president of the Toronto Visionaries chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And you read a lot. But, you know, as you pointed out to me um, before this conversation, you say your tastes are eclectic and range over a lot of territory. So what is exactly, what does that mean? What do you read? <laughs> <laughs> what on earth do you mean? Um, <clears throat> what I mean by that is that um, I, I'm not necessarily intrigued by the latest book. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, constantly following the book lists. I'm not constantly, um, you know, avidly waiting for the penny to drop on, you know, book reviews or, or even, um, you know, writing prizes or any of that sort of thing. Although I do um, sometimes dig back into award winners just because the caliber of the writing is so good. Oh yeah. Um, what I mean is I will sort of dive into almost anything. Um, as I sort of indicated to you in our previous conversation, um, that can include everything from classics to science fiction to mysteries and romance to fiction, nonfiction, um, poetry, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, everything. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I will become intrigued by a writer and you know, read four or five of their books, um, and then I'll let them go for a while. I kind of tend to binge things. I've, I've done that with a couple of writers. But um, yeah, it really depends on my mood and what I'm feeling at the moment or what I'm curious about at the moment. If, if something in my daily life has sparked uh, a consideration in an area where I, I know that I have very little knowledge, I will sometimes dive into that theme and pick yes. out three or four books and, and try to sort of brush up on where things are at. But I'm, I'm 
I'm also curious about, um, you know, historical writing in in the sense that um, I feel like having a, a good sense of the times and the places that were give us a really good sense of our trajectory now. Um, and so I, I will quite often read either history or, or historical fiction um, because it, it really helps to ground you in, in that time period and, and the kinds of um, people that were and the thinking that was and, and see how that's changed over time and, and where we are now. Yeah. And it's, so I have a follow-up question to that because when you're mm -hmm. reading older texts or mm -hmm. um, ancient <laughs> texts, yeah. right? Now yeah. we're we're getting like much more demanding of production for audiobooks, and we're saying, "Hey, you know, give us some give us some uh, options, uh, mm -hmm. right? And give us the the clarity, and give us the good edits, and all of these different things." Because of course, it's out there, but you're you're a believer that an engaging narrator can make a very difficult text accessible. And when I think difficult, I think like, you know, much older writing or, uh, you know, graphics involved and things like that. But can you expand on that thought? Yeah. I mean, in general, I think anybody who's a fan of audiobooks um, recognizes that there are really great narrators and some less so. Um, and the difference can make a difference. Uh, I think that taking um, uh, what can be seen as a, a difficult text, for example, um, uh, Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall is written in third person present, which is a very odd combination. Yeah, it is. So it's present, so it's it feels immediate, mm -hmm. but it's written as third person. So you're you're not in anyone's head but you're given a sort of an omniscient um view of the characters and the way they move even though the the action centers around a particular character right um and the the narrator in that case took that challenge on and just ran with it and uh i think has a, a, either a, an acting or a voice acting background it seems that way from just the the sheer pleasure of listening to him read <laughs> um, the the text flows off the tongue and um, and you immerse yourself immediately because of the reading. Um, and I think that's that's what I mean by, you know, it can make the difference in a challenging text. If it's if it's presented haltingly or flatly, um, I think difficult texts can be much harder to grasp. Um, I've always found the same thing about um, the difference between uh, Shakespeare on the page and Shakespeare on the theater floor. Correct. Um, yes. Actors, totally. actors can deliver those lines with all of the emphasis and flair that Shakespeare intended. And when I read <laughs> that English <laughs> off the page, you have I'm to work like, a little harder. I don't know what they're talking about at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's like, you know, really dragging a heavy sled behind you to, <laughs> to to get through a play. <laughs> but it's a joy to listen to good actors deliver that yes. material, right? Yes. And I think and that's that's the difference that I'm talking about. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can totally, um, you know, attest to this because even with narrators, there are books where I've picked up from one platform and just really couldn't get into it. But, you know, it's the book of the month for a Kelly and Company book club or something along mm. those lines. And I really want to get through it. Uh, so then I would <laughs> go to- you want to love it, right? <laughs> I know, I, I do. And, you know, I think I could love it. I really could. Yeah. <laughs> but I just need someone to help me work that through. So, um, uh, I, yeah. I actually had the the, the exact same- um, situation a number of years ago I picked up a book an audio version uh read by a volunteer and it was supposed to be a black comedy and it had been very highly praised uh it was an award winner and mm -hmm. the the narration was like listening to a trip hammer it was awful and I I couldn't do it I could it's one of the very few books I haven't finished oh wow so, yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. So and you're I, a Bush book completionist. Is that also? Oh, I absolutely am. I, I will yeah. read an awful book to the end, hoping against hope that it will somehow <laughs> turn the corner. <laughs> Is that what gets you through the book, though? The hope that something will pivot into something better? I think one of the joys of reading is just not knowing what's going to happen next. It's it's the twist in the mystery novel. Simple you know? as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, it, it, almost anything can turn a corner at any point, and and sometimes it just takes some patience. I find that um, a lot of the really satisfying reads that I've had um, have required me to start and then start over um, because I get a certain distance in, and it's just it's not grabbing me, and I'm not getting it, and. But, you know, friends have raved about it and they say it's a great book. And and so I have to push myself and just say, you know what, just grind your teeth and get through the first hundred pages and then it'll pick up. And usually it does. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the type of patience that I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't have it. I am uh, learning. Uh, but seriously, like even for television, I don't have the patience. Yeah. If it's th the first two episodes don't grab me, I'm like, well, by bother. There's a thousand other TV shows. Well, exactly. <laughs> and and that's that's so true. I mean, there are a lot of books out there. Um, yeah. But I mean, I, I remember the first time I actually got through the Lord of the Rings trilogy and um and the first time I picked it up, I, I spent the first hundred pages and it was all about Bilbo's birthday party. And I'm like, right. Can something happen now, please? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is supposed to be a great adventure novel. And it's like, we're talking about no, it's adventuring anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's really not adventuring anywhere at all. And you know, it's, it's intriguing this, you know, all the little bits and pieces of back and forth about his family and whatnot. And I don't care. I'm just, just get on with it tail you know whereas but some people that's what they enjoy right yeah. they love the description and feeling like they're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the setting into like the feeling yeah. of what's happening and eventually uh i got there <laughs> and recognized <laughs> that that was what was happening but uh yeah and i did love the the trilogy i i ate it up i i actually blew yeah. through the whole thing in about a week <laughs> yeah. all three books totally yeah, oh, so. that's incredible well i mean i can i'm here and learning some discipline from you you know you're, you're <laughs> sending me that <laughs> the, the, you All can right. do it vibes um yeah. so <laughs> that's incredible well before we go i'll ask you one last question um anything sure. top of mind that you want to recommend to us you have like 30 seconds okay um if you're into historical fiction i highly recommend a writer named neil stevenson um 
he uh, has written a couple of things. One is called The Baroque Cycle, which is a three-book monster of a of a trilogy. Uh, each book is close to a thousand pages, um, but it all centers around the uh, scientific revolution of the 17th and 18th centuries, um, follows a number of fictional characters that are interwoven into absolutely real historical events uh, around the changing of just our theories of just about everything. Um, and it's a fascinating read uh, from that perspective, but it's also just a fun read. There's a lot of really hilarious uh, bits in it. Um, he's also written a book called Cryptonomicon, which is uh, set in the 1990s and is uh, follows the descendants of the, <laughs> the characters from the, the Baroque cycle um, oh. and uh, is all about uh, creating a data haven in the South Pacific and um, uh, it all ties back into Nazi war gold and submarines and great adventures across the planet. He tends to jump back and forth between time periods a lot in that one. And uh, it, it's a, a real romp and a lot of fun. Well, there you go. Now you brought the eclectic back from the uh, first phrase of <laughs> eclectic reads by Ian White. <laughs> Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, it's been a pleasure and a super fun talking to you. And hopefully we can have you back on again. That would be a joy. Thank you. Ian White, he's the president of the Toronto Visionaries chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind and an avid audiobook listener. That's a wrap for AMI Audiobook Review for this week. Tune in next time when it'll be episode 10. Until then, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.